really cool idea that I want to share with you all that I came up with uh, a little while ago. At least I think it's cool. So when updating records, there's usually a lot of complexity around this uh, where you need to basically prepare the form, so pre-fill the form. And this is often easier when you've got a stronger tie to the back end. So if you're using a templating language, so something like Laravel where um, there's kind of a, a strong tie to the back end, it's quite easy because when you render the page, often the rendering of the page is pre-filling the form for you. But when you've got a separation between the front end and the back end, that's where it can be a little bit more complicated because when you want to set up that form, first you have to get the current record and then pre-fill the form with that record. However, often there's situations where you've just done an index, for example. So you've pulled in, let's say 15 records in a table, and then you want to edit one of those records. And you already have the record because you did an index, so you shouldn't have to hit the back end again to pre-fill the form. And so there's kind of all this weirdness with updates where sometimes you want to do a fetch to get the latest form. And sometimes you won't want to do a fetch because you've already got the data. So you'll have to sort of pull that data out of the store. And once again, this is one of those patterns that need to be eliminated, that need to be figured out before you start working on a project, or at least in my opinion, for larger projects, you need to figure this out early on because if you don't, you end up with people doing this a whole bunch of different ways. The error handling doesn't end up being very good and blah, 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 it kind of goes on and on. So I just wanted to kind of share with you my solution to this problem and what the API looks like. So the way I've done it is I've got a use update resource composable. So view model, the project I'm working on at the moment, we have composables for like use create resource, use find resource, use update resource, use index resource. So it's basically just all the crud stuff. Um, and use update resource actually turns out to be the most complicated. And what we do is we have a make form with ID option. So when you say, for example, use update resource, first parameter might be, let's say post. So you send through a post model as the first parameter. And that's how it knows where to get the post from the back end. That's how it knows the shape of the data. So you say use update resource, pass it through a post. And then the second option is, uh, well, the second parameter is the options. And one of those options is make form with ID. Might end up changing the name of that to simplify it. I'm struggling to find a simple way to sort of basically say that. So maybe with ID would be easier. I don't know. But anyway, make form with ID. and. The idea is when you, that means that when you say use update resource, send through make form with ID, it takes that ID. And the first thing it does is it tries to find that resource in the store. And if it can't, if it finds it in the store, it uses that resource to populate the form. Okay, so use update resource has got a form within it. If you set make form with ID equal to an ID, and that's a maybe computed ref, or it's called something different now, maybe um, maybe ref or getter, I think they call it now. Anyway, the point is that could be a raw value, like a raw ID, it could be a computed ID, it could be a ref of an ID, whatever, you pass through make form with ID, searches through the store to try and find that record, and if it does, populates a form that you can then use. So it's really easy. The API for this is really, really simple. Uh, then the other thing is, is if it doesn't find it in the store, then it goes and fetches it from the back end and populates the form 
with the ID it finds from the back end. So this means that we're ready for two scenarios. One scenario, uh, which is a common one, is that you're indexing a bunch of records in a table, for example. Click on an edit button, and then make form with ID gets hit because you, let's say you get a dialog that pops up and that's got the use update resource composable in it. And it goes, oh, I just found this record in the store. Therefore, I'm going to populate the form for you uh, with the record I found in the store. The other situation is an update page where the user might be refreshing the page. Um, so let's just say, for example, you go to posts slash update slash four, right? And this is how you get to your update page. So you go post slash update slash four, and then that, uh, that four for the ID of the post gets passed through as a parameter um, to your component. Then what you can do is you say, you can say make form with ID and you pass that ID through. Since you've just landed on this page, you might not actually have that post yet. You might not have fetched it from the back end yet. In fact, you almost certainly haven't fetched it from the back end yet. And so you can then say props.postID and pass that through to make form ID. So use update resource, pass through the post, and then in the options object, you pass through make form with ID which is equal to props.postID. And then what it does is it goes, is this post in the store? Ah, crap, it's not in the store. All right, I'm gonna go see if I can find that from the back end for you. Grabs it from the back end, and then you've got that post um, gets pre-populated that way. And then another thing we've got is a making form with ID. So you can have a spinner that checks if it's trying to find that form from the back end. So for example, you might wanna have a spinner and have the entire form disabled whilst it's trying to fetch it from the back end. Or honestly, what I'd do, I'd probably have like a Q dash spinner and say, if we're fetching the form from the back end, then that is equal to true. Else, show me the form that we then use for updating. So you end up with this really easy to use API around these edge cases. Um, so you don't have to think about this stuff. Another thing we've got in the API is automatic updates with debounces. So I wanna have it so that, um, and I've done this with other uh, projects before, but this is the first time I've tried to unify it into one API. Uh, which is what view model is. It's essentially this pattern that I've, I've literally done it about 15 or 20 times now with different backends and the same backend over and over again. Um, and now I'm trying to kind of unify it into one API. But one thing we're doing is auto updates as well. So you'll be able to say auto update is equal to true. And by default, there might be a debouncer of let's say 150 milliseconds. And you'll be able to set that debouncer as well. So that basically means that as your form updates, uh, it automatically sends those um, updates to the back end with a debouncer. And the cool thing is like th the API for this is so, so ridiculously simple. You just have to say, for example, use update resource, pass it through the post. In the second parameter for the options object, you say auto update is true. And then if you want to, you can also say, um, auto update debounce or whatever we end up calling that. And you might set that to, you know, 500 milliseconds. However, you can also set a default for that. So you might have a default debouncer um, so that that's automatically set for you. So you don't have to set it every time. If you know, if your whole, your team is always setting a debounce of 400 milliseconds, then you can set that in configuration. You never have to set it again uh, when you're using it. 
So anyway, the point being, oh, oh, you know what else you could do? Oh, I should think about this. Maybe we should make it so that the, the debouncer can also be a function so that you can say, hey, check the internet connection they're on. So if they're on a 3G internet connection, give it a larger debouncer. But if they're on a faster internet connection, then we can go like 150 milliseconds for the debouncer. That could be a really cool idea. All right, I'm gonna, actually, I'm going to quickly open Obsidian and put that idea in. I, I love that. Whoops, I opened OBF Studio. So I use Obsidian for all my ideas and this kind of thing. And I'm just gonna quickly say, this is how I try and keep myself on task. I've got an Obsidian doc with just like a to-do list of ideas. And I'm just going through them one at a time, do, 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 checking them through. And then every idea um, gets a test as well. So now that I'm writing down this idea, which was like, um, what do we call it? Debounce option can be a um, function. I'll put in parentheses here. Therefore, we can change it based on user internet speed. That'll do. I'll know what that means. Yeah, okay. So anyway, <laughs> that was cool to sort of figure that out loud, uh, figure that out live. So this is really cool. So once you've done that and passed through that option of uh, auto update. Now what we do is we just have a watcher on the form and whenever the form changes, it automatically tries to update the record. And that's all happening behind the scenes for you. So you can literally just say auto update true, model that form and that's it. You've got an auto updating form. I mean, how cool is that? The amount of code that you can delete when you just, you know, you keep just smashing out these patterns. Every time you see them, you go, oh, I don't wanna to have to write all that again. And so you just keep hitting them over and over and over again and trying to solve them by pushing them into composables. Um, by the way, just kind of a word of warning here. Oh man, I can see that my audio is sort of peaking. So I'm gonna try and readjust my headphones. I get a bit excited. So one thing to watch out in these situations is going a little bit uh, going overboard early on with trying to uh, trying to make your code as dry as possible. So I'm doing I'm building this project after repeating this pattern about 15 times. Usually my rule is probably about four or five times before I feel like I have the confidence and the understanding and the breadth of knowledge to build out an API for something. But the reason I waited so long to do something like view model is that there's so many edge cases and so many like so much complexity around dealing with a backend API and trying to unify that API across different kinds of backends. You just kind of need to have quite a breadth of knowledge before you can try and tackle that problem. And if you try and tackle that problem and abstract everything too aggressively from the beginning, you often find that you code yourself into a corner. Um, and I've done that a lot in the past, coded myself into a corner because I haven't had the breadth of knowledge yet. And there's lots of things you know you can learn about patterns, like building interfaces around things that makes it easier to kind of swap things out just in case, you know, for example, maybe for authentication, you're using cookies. But then later on, you move from cookies to using local storage or, but then you have to use local storage sometimes, but then you have to use your device's storage on other times because maybe on the mobile app, you can't use local storage, uh, which is, you know, that's an actual problem. You can't use local storage in a mobile app because it's kind of dodgy and doesn't persist properly. Whereas in a browser, 
you often want to use local storage. So you kind of have to have two different contracts there. So you can't just solve that problem once. And then you go, well, crap, I might have to solve this again on another device. And therefore I should probably create an interface for how I work with storage or um, better still create an interface with how I um, send the backend requests. Am I using cookies? Am I using you know storage to get the token? And you know maybe sometimes you're using a bearer token, but oh, hang on, there's this situation where we can't use a bearer token, and so it, you know uh, you, once you have this breadth of knowledge and you hit a lot of these problems over and over again, you start to develop a way of thinking that's a bit more meta. Um, you, you naturally start to go a bit more abstract, and problems show up, and you you have an intuition that you know, you don't have a problem right now. You know, you might have something where the problems aren't obvious, but you just get this gut feeling that, oh, I should probably put an interface around this because there could be scenarios where I need to swap this out. And the truth might be you never have to swap it out. However, if you get that, once you get that intuition and that breadth um, and you start exercising it more and more in the real world as a developer, then it gets easier and easier to solve these problems the quote unquote right way or in a more robust way. So building interfaces for things is kind of complicated and difficult to begin with. But now that I've done it so many times um, and I've got an intuition around it, it's quite easy for me to do. And you know, it's the difference between five or 10 minutes or literally spending days trying to solve this stuff. So, you know, I'll help somebody, one of my mates online solve a problem that he's been working on for, you know, one or two days and I can just solve it like that because just because I've gone through all the pains before. And it's the same where if I were to go to a mechanic to fix my car, he will fix a problem that could literally take me months to try and solve. It's, you know, it's just an experience thing. And so that's one thing to look out for when you're building interfaces or I love how I bounce around ideas in this podcast. <laughs> That's one thing to think about when you're building interfaces for things. Um, when you're thinking about abstracting things or trying to keep things dry, uh, you know, ensuring that you're thinking through these scenarios and you have, you know, there's kind of a spectrum here. If the, the solution is for something that's quite complex, you probably want to hit that problem you know, five, six, seven, eight, or maybe 10 times if it's a more complex scenario so that you really deeply understand that problem. Either that or you talk to a lot of people that are experienced with that problem so that you can build out a robust API. Whereas for simpler stuff, um, then, you know, for, for simpler things, maybe like dealing with storage, for example. I don't know, is that a good example? I don't know, storage can be kind of complicated as well. But anyway, for, for more basic things you might want to hit that problem two or three times and once you've hit the problem two or three times you go okay you know i'm I'm ready to abstract this now so anyway hope you enjoyed this podcast <laughs> again i planned on doing something that was really short but we went on a few little tangents there uh yeah super excited work about working on this project and i can't wait to share it with you before i finish up remember that there truly is nothing you can't build see you in the next one